Samson's an interesting guy, and you're going to learn a lot about him and, and what really happened. And, um, but let me begin by just saying this. Samson, had he lived today, would be called, the sanitized version would be a womanizer. We could go much deeper than that and say a lot of other things about him. He would go to those kind of bars that our mothers told us we should never go to. Catch my drift. Um, of course, in my case, my mother said you shouldn't go to a bar at all. You know, little did you know I'd be pastoring a church above a bar. But, um, <laughs> but, but you know, the 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 kind where things happen between people that that just just shouldn't be happening. Morality and, and things like that. He he would hung out. He hung out in those kind of places. Samson took a, a, had a he was. It's unclear whether it was totally his choice or not, but he had taken this thing called a Nazarite vow, which is strictly Old Testament and is strictly something most of us would not do because basically what it, it has several things to summarize. You, don't, you can't touch a dead body if you have, in your life if you, if you take a Nazarite vow. I wouldn't have a problem with that one. I have, but it's not something that, you know, is tremendously meaningful. Um, um, you can't touch a dead body. One, you can't um, can't have any wine, anything anything fermented. Okay, a lot of you are like, nope, check that one. Um, and the third thing is, you can't cut your hair. Um, you know, so basically, you're a long-haired teetotaler. Okay. Um, interesting in Samson's life, he violates both uh, two of those. And then we're going to see the narrative where he violates the third one, which is symbolic of the fact that he has disobeyed God and his strength is taken away from him. Not just disobeyed God, he has consistently disobeyed God and his strength is taken away from him as a result of that. I just I want to tell you that as we start because his strength was not in his hair. And you're going to see that in just a moment. It was in the fact of what that represented. So stay with me as we talk about that. Up to this point in the narrative, um, his life has been nothing but wine, women, brawling, and very wrong choices. Just always, you know. However, he was a judge, which means he was a leader of Israel. Israel, keep in mind, Israel only has ever had three kings. King Saul, King David, King Solomon. Okay? Now, there was a, the kingdom divided after that, and you had some other kings that were over this kingdom and over that kingdom, but... The united Israel, per se, um, only, had, only had really three kings, um, Saul, David, and Solomon, and then it, then it divided, and you had two or three kings at different times and so forth. But before that, you had judges, and they ruled the land, and you would have you know, Gideon. We talked about Gideon a couple of weeks ago. He was a judge or a ruler. They, they used the term judge. So Solomon, or, excuse me, the Samson story comes to us in the, in, 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 the, in the historical narrative of one of those judges. And so he basically holds off the, what is basically a, a nasty, nasty, nasty bunch of people called the Philistines part of uh, the bigger group called the Canaanites. And uh, he basically holds them off, kind of rescues Israel from them for a period of time, 20 years exactly. So he's not particularly a good guy, as I said, but he did have faith. And one of the things that you're going to hear me say at least three times today, and, and probably more, is that God will always bless faith. He will always bless faith, even when it's hard to see from the outside. 
So stick with me on that, and let's just get into this and show you what's going on. We're going to pick up sort of the last chapter of, of Samson's life. He's been through um, many women at this point in time. Um, he, has been, he has killed many Philistines. So the, he's the enemy of the Philistines because he's the only thing that stands between them and total takeover of Israel. So he's an enemy. And he makes some wrong choices and he falls in love with the wrong woman. Let me just say it that way. This is not an indictment on women in general, just certain kinds and this particular kind and specifically, and you'll see what I mean. Um, and, you know, Samson was no picnic either, so we can't just blame Delilah on this. But we're going to pick it up in Judges chapter 16, and let's pick it up with verse 4. This is what I'm going to call, and you're going to see what I mean in just a minute. So just stay with me. This is the first attempt. Just, just, just remember, the first attempt. Here we go. Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the valley of Sorek. The leaders of the Philistines went to her and said, Find out from Samson what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Significant amount of money. Okay? So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me what makes you so strong and, and, it would, and, and what it would take to tie you up securely. Well, why wouldn't he say, whoa, 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 what do you want to tie me up, you know? Don't go there. Anyway, he, 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 verse seven, Samson replied, if I'm tied up with seven new bowstrings that, that have not yet been dried, I will be as weak as anyone else. First attempt. So the Philistine leaders brought Delilah seven new bowstrings. She tied Samson with, up with them. She had hidden some men in, her, in one of the rooms of her house, and she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson snapped the bowstrings as if they were string that had been burned in a fire. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Okay, interjection. Do you think maybe Samson might get a clue here? Hey, she really, she really doesn't have my best interest here, does she? You know, either, either he was incredibly dumb and thinking with his glands instead of his brain, which happens, um, or he was just terribly arrogant, which also is a good possibility. He was just like, huh, I'm Samson. Come on, give me your best shot. Give me your best shot. I'll take it. Time me up with something. I don't know. I think, it's a, I, think it's a, I think it's a mixture of both. Okay, that's the first attempt. Second attempt. Afterward, Delilah said to him, you made fun of me and told me a lie. I mean, you know, why doesn't he, you know, that's, I always talk back to the text. I'm, why don't you say, what did you do to me, babe? I mean, you know, tried to deliver me into the hands of the Philistines. Now, please tell me how you could be tied up securely. Samson replied, if I'm tied up with brand new ropes that have never been used, I'll be as weak as anyone else. So Delilah took the new ropes and tied him up with them. The men were hiding in the room as before, and again, Delilah cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson snapped the ropes from his arms as if they were thread. Second attempt. Wow. Third time, here comes Delilah, back into the room. Delilah says, you've been making fun of me, telling me lies. You don't trust me. Oh, he didn't say that. But won't you please tell, tell me how you can be tied up securely? 
Samson replied, "If you this is this guy is so creative. He, I mean, where did this come from? If you weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric, I guess he had dreadlocks or something. I don't know. If you weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric on your on your loom and tighten it with the loom shuttle, I will be as weak as everyone else." So while he slept, Delilah wove the seven braids of his hair into the fabric and threatened and, and, and tightened it with the loom shuttle. Again, she cried out, "Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you!" But Samson woke up, pulled back the loom shuttle, yanked his hair away from the loom and fabric. That's three times. Amazing. Maybe we should try one more. When in doubt, pout. Watch this. Delilah pouted. How can you say you love me when you don't confide in me? You have made fun of me these three times. You still haven't told me what makes you so strong. It's probably something like that. You know. I can't, I'm not a good pouter, so I can't do it like... Maybe I can get somebody to do that for me here. Um, so day after day, she nagged him until he, he couldn't stand it any longer. Finally, Samson told her his secret. My hair has never been cut. He confessed, I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my, birth, if my, head, you know, if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become weak as anyone else. It's interesting that he, he does now reflect back to the fact that he's taken this Nazarite vow. He doesn't mention that he's violated two of them very clearly, two of the parts of the vow. He, he's, he's, he's touched a dead body. He actually did that a couple of different times, uh, one with a dead lion that he took honey out of, that a, that a honey, part of, is a part of another story with Samson, but there was honey, a honey a hive had set up in the dead body of a, of a uh, dead lion. And he just grabbed the honey out of there because he wanted honey, even though he knew he wasn't supposed to touch anything dead, animals or anything. And, uh, and the other thing that he did was, he, of course, uh, the, the wine, the alcohol issue was uh, violated on many different occasions. So it's interesting that he now goes back to that. My long hair, it's, you know, it's symbolic of this Nazarite vow. Verse 18, Delilah realized that he had finally told her the truth, so she sent for the Philistine leaders. Come back one more time, she said, for he's told me everything. So the Philistine leaders returned and brought their money with them, or brought her money with them. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap, and she called in a man to shave off his hair, uh, making his capture certain. His strength left him. She cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But he woke up. He thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. It's not the hair. It was a symbolic fact of continual disobedience. And you know, let me just interject something here. Many of us know what it means to have had people or have people in our lives who manipulate us, who aren't always looking out for for our best interest. And not that that's a qualification for being a friend, but people who who really are sabotaging us at times. Sometimes you wake up after a after a long relationship with with a, with a friend or a business associate or, or or somebody even closer sometimes, and you realize that 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 really. Why didn't I see this? Now, did Samson ever do that? I don't know. But but my my point is this: before we get too hard here on Samson and say, "Well, you idiot," I mean, which he was. But I mean, before we get too hard on him, let's remember. At the same time, all of us probably at one time or another have been guilty of trusting in the influence of some around us where we should not have. Just something to think about. So, the Lord had left him. 
Verse 21, the Philistines captured him, gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound and with bronze chains and made to grind grain in the prison. But before long, his hair began to grow back. The Philistine leaders held a great festival offering sacrifices and praising their god Dagon, who was just awful. Uh, obviously an idol, but just the things that were required. To, again, it's the thing with most of the Canaanite gods. Uh, it, a lot of it always came down to child sacrifice and all kinds of other just ridiculous things that were just, just awful. Anyway, they said, our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, our God has delivered our enemy to us. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. Remember what I said earlier? God will always bless faith, even if it's hard to see from the outside. In just a moment, you're going to see Samson with one final act of faith. Now, I'm not even sure his motive was correct, but it was one final act of faith that he's going to ask God for help. Watch what happens. Half drunk by now, the people demanded, bring out Samson so he can perform before us. So he was brought from the prison and made to stand at the center of the temple between the two pillars supporting the roof. Samson said to the servant who was leading him by the hand, place my hands against the two pillars. I want to rest against them. The temple was completely filled with people. All the Philistine leaders were there, and there were about 3,000 on the roof who were watching Samson and making fun of him. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, here it is, remember me again. It's kind of like, God, remember me? Samson, I've really screwed up. Please strengthen me one more time so that I may pay back the Philistines for the loss of my eyes. Not even, you know, that's what I'm saying. I don't think he had the right motive. But, he, you know, God's going to use it anyway. Then Samson put his hands on the center of the pillars of the temple, pushed against them with all his might, let down, uh, he says, let me die with the Philistines, he prayed, and the temple crashed down on the Philistine leaders and all the people. He killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. You say, that's kind of bad, killing all these people. These were, these were basically terrorist people, okay? I mean, this is like getting a whole arena full of terrorists in one place. Suicide bombers and everything else, you know, because you could make the argument. Somebody says, well, isn't that what he did, kind of a suicide bomber? Well, in a sense, he, he knew he was going to die. But the other side is, number one, these people weren't innocent. They were all guilty. And number two, they were doing the terrorizing. They were terrorizing Israel. And they were, at that moment, terrorizing Samson, trying to make fun of him and so forth. So, so don't get too crazy with that interpretation. But that's what he did. And he delivered Israel again from the, from the hand of this warring, um, awful, child-sacrificing people, the Philistines. He did it again. He, he delivered them. He delivered Israel in his death. Now, one, more, one verse I want to show you in Hebrews because this is how I know. If I didn't have this verse, I don't know that I could do this message. I just say Samson was, a, you know, he's a lost cause. He, he did one thing, but then he was a lost cause. But you got one verse in Hebrews that kind of just makes it all crystal clear for us. Book of Hebrews, New Testament, probably written by the Apostle Paul, not positive. He said Hebrew, in Hebrews 11, I'm just going to show you part of the verse, 11.32, how much more do I need to say it would take too long to recount the stories of faith and it's a bunch of people and Samson's one of them. God will always bless faith. He will always bless faith, even when it's hard to see from the outside. Thus, the story of Samson. Now, I've got to show you this. I just got to show you this. Um, I've got some, just some quick lessons I want to grab out of here. 
based on that one statement that I've been making to you, that God will always bless faith even when it's hard to see from the outside. But before I do this, you know how sometimes when you're researching something, if you ever do this and you're on, on your computer and the internet, you end up sometimes in websites, you're like, well, how did I end up here? I'm researching Dagon, I'm researching Philistines, I'm researching some Samson stuff, see what I can find. And I end up at this website called fourtherapy.com, for the number four, fourtherapy.com. And, and, and I'm finding an article on Samson. And I'm thinking, well, this will be interesting. I'll read this. Um, listen to this article. This is just part of it. I don't know who wrote it. I just got it off this website. Uh, writing in recently published psychiatric journal, four physicians offer slightly different interpretations of the character of Samson, the biblical hero who fought the Philistines and fell victim to Delilah's wily charms. They argue that Samson, who lied to his parents, stole from his neighbors, brawled on a regular basis, and apparently killed with abandon, offers a classic example of someone suffering from antisocial personality disorder. That was his problem. That was his problem. Antisocial, I mean, I'm not a therapist, but I, I think I could have said, buddy, you've got an antisocial problem here. He had many issues, and we, I'm not, obviously I'm not making fun of, of, psycho, of psychology because it can really help us in, in many issues. Sometimes it does state the obvious when it needs to be stated. Um, Samson had lost his moral compass. He had lost it. And, and, only, God, and only God, if you want to use that metaphor, I mean, only God can do a search and rescue at that, at sometimes in those particular issues. So... I want to I want to emphasize just five things on this one one thing, uh, just quick lessons that I want you to think about. The one the first one's really obvious. We've stated this a number of I think I've stated this every week in this series, and it's really why we did the series on, on on heroes of faith. And that is, faith can be found in the most unlikely people. Just remember that faith can be found in the most unlikely people. Last week, if you were here, our executive pastor Clay uh, did a message on, on on Rahab, a prostitute in Jericho who helped, in her act of faith, helped the Israelites. And God recognizes her, recognizes her in the, in the New Testament. And she was in the family tree of Jesus, which is just incredible, I think. Um, but the other thing I want to say is this. You can be far from perfect and still be a person of faith. I want to just emphasize that because too many times, I, I hope and I pray, really, that this message comes clearly here at Renaissance. Many times it doesn't in, in, in many places, and in, we probably haven't always been clear about it. But so many times we, we, we sometimes paint the picture of, of what a Christian is supposed to look like, what they're supposed to talk like, what they're supposed to dress like, what they're supposed to smell like, yada, yada, yada. And, and, and it's just such a dangerous thing to do. And, and in my life, every time I've started thinking that way, I've been thankful that, that God in some providential way has brought people into my life to kind of blow, you know, blow apart that whole stereotype because it's, it's so important. Um, you can be far from perfect and still be a person of faith. You can be far from perfect and still be a person of faith. So remember that in judging others. Remember that in judging yourself sometimes. Sometimes we're hard on ourselves. Particularly if you've been one of those who've had a relationship with Christ for a long time. You say, I, I should be over this. I should be beyond this. And, and maybe you should. But sometimes you, 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 you're still a broken person. 
You can be far from perfect and still be a person of faith. You know, but here's the other thing I want to say. I'm going to give you a third thing. Before I do it, I'll just tell you this. I want, to, I want to be very careful here because if I'm not, if I'm not you're going to come away from me and say, I can live any way I wanted to. Just like saying, I can live any way I want to, like Samson, and God, I'm still going to be a person of faith and God's still going to bless me. Well, you can live any way you want to, and I want to tell you, God is still going to love you, okay? Now, there may not be some blessings there that would be coming if you were living like you should. But let me give you this third principle that, I, that, that that's here. And it's a very important principle. And you, you get this. This is, Samson is just the epitome of this. That is this. Wrong decisions and actions will just rob you of life. It, they'll, just, they'll just rob you of life. Some of you know exactly what that means. Some of, some of you have been real blessed and you, you've been able to not make some of those decisions. Football coaches often say, as Bear Bryant used to say, and and, and coach at Alabama. Um, but many football coaches say this. Every football game comes down to two or three, maybe four plays. Every football game. I mean, you know, think about the, think about the Super Bowl this last year. Greatest, maybe the greatest Super Bowl ever, I think. A um, couple plays there. We all can point to one of them, you know, the catch on the helmet. Um, so coaches will say every football come, game comes down in many sports, comes down to two or three or four different plays. We just never know when those plays are going to happen. I always correlate that to life. You know, every life comes down to four, five, six, seven, maybe eight key decisions. And many times a person's life rises or falls based on one or two or three or four of those decisions. Whether it be where I move to, where I live, who I marry, kind of career I'm going to pursue, a particular job I might take or not take. I mean, you think about that, and I'm not trying to put, you know, I'm not trying to put fear and trepidation upon you by that. Here's all I'm trying to tell you, and that is, let's make those decisions with some prayer. Let's think through that. Let's have some people around me that can help me think through some of these things because sometimes I don't think clearly. Because I really want this and, and then and you just kind of, you got to stop. Wait a minute. I, I need to think. I need, I need somebody around me that I can talk to about that. I need, I need to go to something. That's why, you know, it's, it's, just a, it's, a, it's a bunch of different things. It's people. It's, it's most importantly God. It's the Spirit of God. That's still small voice. I, I believe you, you get wisdom from the Bible. And the point is this, we need to, and we need to teach our kids about these decisions and these choices that we make. Is God still going to love you? You bet He is. Is He ever going to turn you away because of bad choices? He never will. But it might rob you of life and some of the joys of life. And that's an important issue, and we can't miss that. And I would be very, very wrong if I didn't follow up that statement with this fourth statement. That it's never too late to start making right choices. It's never too late to start making right choices. Some of you would say, well, I'm 30-something. I've heard this. It just sickens me when I, well, I'm getting old. I'm 30-something. I'm like, I got stinking sweaters older than you. Um <laughs> I'm 40-something, I'm 50-something. You know, I've even heard people say I'm 60 or 70-something. It's just too late for me. No, it's not. It's never too late to start making right decisions. Like a friend of mine who was 70-something, and we were talking about that very thing. 
And he said, I, I just want to really finish strong. And I said, I love that attitude. I love that attitude. You know, so whether you're finishing in your 70s or 40s or 50s or whatever, you know, it's never too late to start making right choices. God will always bless faith, even when it's hard to see from the outside. He'll always bless it. Which leaves me with this encouragement for you. May we have a strengthening inward faith that grows. And that it grows from where I, everything from where I go to church to the people I put around me to what I read and what I, what I dwell on in my heart and in my mind. Things that I talk about. May my, strength, may my faith be strengthened. My, may my faith in Christ grow. But then... And I've got to put it this way. May, may the inward faith that's growing drive the outward behavior. I, I, th- I, I probably have used this illustration before, but I, th- I, I literally think about it at least once a week. And I know I'm, we- I'm really weird on this kind of stuff. I'm always correlating certain things to the spiritual life because I'm always looking for ways to explain things better. And every time, every, I mean, not every time, but at least once a week, I do this, and, and, and it's usually more often than that. Whenever I plug my iPhone into my computer, because I get to thinking, oh, I've got to get this, i got to get everybody on the same line here. i got to get everything in together here. Often I stop and think, God, I wish it was this easy with God. That I just, you know, plug in somewhere, and it takes care of, it changes all the default modes and all the other stuff, and it changes everything, and, and wow, now I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Some people look at church that way. I wish it worked that way. It doesn't quite work that way. That's why we need prayer. That's why we talk to God. That's why we ask God to keep working in our lives. And he will. May you have a strengthening inward faith in God, in Christ. And may it drive, may the inside drive the outside in your life. And we pray that in the name of our Lord. Let's pray together. Lord God, I, I, I thank you so much for these truths. I, th- I thank you that, that you love us in spite of ourselves. And I thank you for the example of Samson. My gosh, Lord, he, 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 he illustrates so many things about our lives and what we should be and, and what we shouldn't be. I pray, God, that you would work in our lives, that the, that the inside would be a growing inward faith in you and a trust in you. And I pray, God, that that would be the driving force behind the outward behavior that we have and how we live. And we pray for that. God, I also pray this morning for each dad here. I, I just pray, God, that you would just bless them I pray, that, pray, God, that you would remind them of, their, of the awesome responsibility and the great joy that comes with being a dad. I pray you not just give them a great day, but to just bless their lives today. We thank you for that. We thank you for this time now, and we um, pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.